Welcome to River City Church. My name is Baron Deidsmo, and uh, I uh, kind of serve as the lead contact for a hospitality team, a strike team, and uh, also an elder candidate here. And so today I have the, the joy and honor of preaching uh, God's Word today. Uh, as most of you know that we're, we're deep in our summer sermon series uh, of Hebrews chapter 11. And so that's, most of you know, again, that's, that's the faith chapter. So by faith, this person, by faith, this person. And um, so we get to continue that today. And so because each and every week we're definitely in the Bibles, uh, we want the scriptures to speak to us. We want them open. We want to, I love seeing when people, whether who is Jake or Devin or Charlie, whoever they're preaching, the people's heads are down looking at the scripture and they look up. And their heads are down looking at the scripture and their heads are up. So I love that, that head bobbing. And so we're going to do that again today. So if... uh, Please feel free to open up your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, we got uh, Kasab and Devin just uh, coming down the aisles. Raise your hand. They'll get one to you. And if you do not have a physical Bible, keep it. It's a, it's a gift from River City. So before diving in today, uh, I just want to set the stage for this morning's theme. So, so as I mentioned, um, I lived in, uh, well, we lived in the Minneapolis area, uh, attended Hiawatha Church. It was another Acts 29 church, and it was... So spring of 2014, uh, my wife, so Erin, uh, our two kids, Brevin and Ellie, and our miniature dachshund, Bella, I had to give her a shout out. We're, so we're living in Shakopee, which is a suburb of Minneapolis-St. Paul, and uh, we had just heard the news that the people that we were renting from, renting our townhome from, were moving back, moving back home. And they're, they're missionaries from Haiti, so acquaintances, we knew them. And they gave us three months to live, or three months, three months to live. Wow! <laughs> You're going to be martyrs whether you like it or not. No. Wow. <laughs> three, three months to move. Wow, that really changed. That escalated quickly. Um, oh, Brick had a trident. Okay, so they... Uh, <laughs> so we have three months, <laughs> three months to move. And so they, that gave, they gave us two options. One, you could... You could buy the house, we could set up things in motion, or two, find a new place to live. I'm like, oh man, three months, that's, that's pretty quick, but they've been so generous in, 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 in decreasing our rent because at the time I was only a freelance graphic designer, which didn't bring in much money, and my wife was working at, um, um, <laughs> I got this wrong yesterday, at the Methodist Hospital in St. Louis Park. And again, that, that wasn't bringing in the most income, but it was, uh, at least we got health insurance. And sort of like, well, we don't want to buy the house, even if we could afford it. And we don't want, just kind of looking at our options of where we could move with, with our budget. And we're like, well, we really, we don't want to move in, in this location right now. So we were, we were at a crossroads. Well, what, what are we doing? What are we going to do? This is one of the first times I almost just felt homeless and helpless. We weren't homeless, but I just felt like, what, what am I going to do? And so Aaron and I are just, Tears calling, we, we called out for family. And so we decided to send, uh, send out, Aaron would send out resumes to where our families would live, and then we could maybe bunk in with them until we found a new home. Since freelance graphic design, I could do that wherever. And so we sent it out to, you know, so, so Moorhead, uh, Sioux Falls, and the Green Bay area. And lo and behold, at Sanford, there were three different jobs that offered her, and sweet, I guess we're moving to, to Moorhead. So I Contact my folks. They're like, yeah, come on in. We'll, we'll take you in. And so fast forward, uh, um, 2014, Aaron, Aaron, Aaron took the job. 
And again, this, this was just like the biggest face punch to my pride that I could have ever imagined of being, I think I was like 38 at the time, I have a wife, two kids, a little dog, and I can't even, I can't support them financially. This is just, it, it just hurt. And, um, but it was, a, <laughs> it was a needed face punch. I needed that, that humility. Um, but when I was able to take a step back and I saw that God had provided, he provided a home, even if it's not what I would have wanted. Um, he provided, you know, just again, the food, the income, um, a great relationship with my parents had already been established. And now we also have the opportunity to save up for a home. And so he's providing, even if it's not the way I want to. So two and a half years later, so January 2016, we moved into the new home and I was ecstatic. It was the neighborhood that we wanted. Uh, it was a newer home, not needing much upgrades because as my last sermon, I don't know, you know, a hammer from a screwdriver. And uh, it, it fit within our budget. So it was perfect. We could not have could not have been happier. And again, we could look at God's provision of how he's provided. Not how we would have wanted, but he, he did. And so we were just definitely delighting in that. Um, so 20, uh, oh yeah, not only that, so that he provided, but the biggest thing that we were missing was our church home in Minneapolis. Like when I say church, a lot of times people think of the brick walls, but it's so much the people that you get involved with that you're just sharing your heart and accountability and on mission and life together. That was the biggest hurt. So when we moved here and we found River City, who's actually, you know, part of the X29 network and kind of the same community, um, uh, the same culture, we loved it. And so we got plugged in with a community group and, and made friends really quickly and we're, we're able to serve. And so it was great. So, 20, so December 2016, it's about a year, and a, uh, a year and a half after we, no, not even a year since we got our home. And some of our friends from the community group, they bought a home. And they're like, sweet, I know, I, I, can, I can celebrate this with you because I just experienced this. So kind of the moving day arrives, we start packing stuff in our car and drive over to their new place, pull up to their house. I'm like, wow, this, this is nice. Like, this is Wow, okay. So I, I start unpacking the car, bringing up some of the items. I go downstairs, and oh my goodness, their basement is ginormous. Like, this is huge, a huge open area. They have multiple more rooms than we do. Oh, man, this is not like the fireplace, which we didn't have. I'm like, oh. it's, like it's got cool architecture. It's not like a cookie-cutter home, which we kind of have. Again, I love it, but it's just like, wow, this has like, got character. Okay, so, well, that's fine. I'll go back out, bring another item in. This time... It had to go upstairs, and it's just even better than the downstairs. I'm like, are you kidding me? This, and then, okay, okay, just fine, it's fine. And then I start looking at their three-season porch. I start looking at their backyard. I start looking at their bigger garage. I'm like, oh, I want this house. And I'm jealous. I am no longer happy with all of that God has provided because I want this one. This one is newer, or not newer, this one's better, it's bigger, has more amenities than we have. All of a sudden, I'm not happy. So I, I wasn't content at all. No matter what God had done, even though I acknowledged him in it at all, I wasn't happy. It was a no-win situation for God. Contentment. That's our theme for today. Um, so we're going to define faith as we get into this as the confidence that God will do all that he promised to do, kind of the running definition. So we're on the same page of what is faith. 
the confidence that God will do all that he promised to do. And this morning, we'll see that faith is contentment in the promises of God. So faith is contentment in the promises of God. So as I mentioned earlier, um, we're going through Hebrews 11. And just kind of a brief history of the, some of the, the people that we've touched about is, is Abel, Enoch, Noah, Sarah, Isaac, and Jacob. This morning, we get to read about Joseph and how, by faith, Joseph. So I, I'm like, okay, when I, when I got my preaching assignment, I'm like, okay, sweet. I know Joseph. I know all of his history. This is going to be easy. I, I, I didn't look at the verse. I just like, okay, no, I, I got this. Rookie mistake. Because the verse has nothing directly to do with all of his trials and perseverance. It has nothing to do with that. Like, are you serious? You mean I'm going to have to read? I'm just joking. But it was, this is like, wow, this is not what I was expecting at all. So just so we all know, so we're on the same page of who Joseph was. He was the, Joseph's great, great, great grandfather was Abraham. As Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac was the father of Jacob, Jacob was the father of Joseph. And so again, this is not the Mary and Joseph. This is the Old Testament Joseph. So a bit of a timeline for Joseph. And this, this was, I found this fascinating. So when Joseph was six, his father Jacob moved him from Haran, which is in present-day eastern Turkey. And uh, they moved to the promised land. So they moved to Canaan, which is about 400 miles away. So it's, you know, present-day Lebanon, Syria, Jordan, Israel. Um, and... So at the age of, so fast forward to the age of 17. So again, just a young, young guy. That's, uh, so yeah, he, uh, we read that Joseph was the favorite son of his father, Jacob. But Joseph, Jacob was the one who gave him the technicolor dream coat or the, you know, the, the coat of many colors. Uh, Joseph's brothers hated him because he was the favorite son. And so via dreams, Joseph prophesied that his family, including his, his dad, would bow down to him, which, dude, if your brothers already hate you, probably not a good move, but... That's, that's, what he that's what happened. This fueled Joseph's brother's hatred of him. And so they ended up selling him to slavery, and he ended up in Egypt. Several times, as you read through the Genesis 37 through 50, you read that God was with him and God blessed him. It didn't matter as a scenario. I'm tipping my hand on the hand a little bit here. But God, the Lord was with him. The Lord blessed him. So, and this was the case between Joseph and, his first, and his first, the Egyptian master, uh, Potiphar. And so Potiphar made Joseph over all that he had. And it said that Joseph was a good-looking guy. And Potiphar's wife went after him a few times, tried to lay with him, it says. And the, the, the final time, got his robe, she accused him of rape, he gets sent to prison. So at 28, so from 17, now he's 28 years old, still been in prison, wrongly accused. This is the Andy Dufresne, Shawshank Redemption thing, that he is... But he's, no, no spoons or digging through walls. He is content. He is, he is there. But his fellow prisoners, they have dreams. And he correctly interprets them. Now, they forget that, they, that he correctly interprets them. Two years later, the Pharaoh, again, this is not the, the Pharaoh we usually think of, not the Moses Pharaoh. This is his precursor. This Pharaoh asked uh, Joseph, can you interpret my dreams? He correctly does so. And as a result, not only does he get out of prison, but now he is thrust to the second in command of all of Egypt, of wealthy Egypt. And so they were able to prepare for the seven years of famine, which was the, the dream that Pharaoh had 
and the seven years, uh, or the seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. So by the age of 37, so at 30 he had it all, 30 years old, over Egypt, basically. At 37, the famine starts. And that's when his brothers and his family come looking for food, and he's able to be reconciled to them and to take care of them. At the age of 56, Joseph's father, Jacob, dies. And at 110, Joseph dies. So that's kind of a, a timeline of events, just so we're on the same page of who Joseph is. So the game plan I have for today is that our home passage is going to be Hebrews 11.22, but we'll be exploring the later chapters. You'll see there's some coinciding verses that just line up with this 11.22, and that's going to be in the later chapters of Genesis. And we get to see how Hebrews 11.22 expands upon or flushes out the passages in Genesis, and what makes it even better is that Jesus ties those passages together. So please turn with me 11, uh, to Hebrews 11.22. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. So like I said earlier, this has nothing, it doesn't say anything about his trials, tribulations. It says, by faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. So now that you've heard my confession of discontentment and my attitudes towards that, towards God's provision, uh, a home, we get to see how Joseph's contentment, no matter the situation, and how his contentment is in the promises of God. And so how do we know that he was content? Like, where, where do we see this? So this is where we're going to explore this in each of my points. Genesis 46.4, 48.21, and 50, 24 to 25. And so this is, um, I don't think I have it yet. Nope, good, thank you. Um, so our first, our first point, so we'll, we'll come back to those and we'll explore each of those. But my f- first point is God promises his penalty for our sin. So again, God promises his penalty for our sin. And as we read these verses, you can see how this is throughout all of these passages and how they all coincide. All right, so Hebrews 11.22, and then I think, Ben, is there one with all the, the verses on? And, yep, there we go. So what we'll do is that you can see each of the verses and each one will be highlighted as to how it, how it coincides, how they're all the same. So it's basically the same message, but it's a game of telephone that actually worked. So it's not like, Someone at one end says, hey, I want a glass of water. And then the other end says, hey, he wants a purple elephant. You know, so you could see each one coincides. They're faithful to the text. So this, the, God promises his penalty for, for our sin. So we see at the end of his life in Hebrews 11. Genesis 46, 4, I myself, so this is God speaking to Jacob, will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also bring you up again. And Joseph's hand shall close your eyes. There's the death. Genesis 48, 21. And this is Jacob speaking to Joseph. Um, Then Israel said to Joseph, Behold, I'm about to die. There's the death. But God will be with you and bring bring you again out of the land of your fathers. And then Genesis 50, 24 to 25. This is Joseph speaking to his brothers. And Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die. There's the death. But God will visit you and bring you up out of this land and the land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. 
Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. So as we see, the physical effects of our sin against God is inescapable. So I mean, unless you're Enoch, Elijah, or here when Christ returns, we're going to die. And Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. This is something that we are continually earning. This is a reality that we all face, and it's not a surprise, but we have to deal with. This was, death was never intended. Humanity was created to be content in our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Again, we were created to be wholly and completely content with God the Father. Adam and Eve proved that they were not content. When they found something else that they desired more than obedience, they took it. They partook, and sin infected everything. But there is hope. And so as the first half of Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death, there's not a period. There's a but. But the second half says, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's not in my works. It's not in trying hard. It's not in my knowledge. Nope. It's in Christ Jesus. It's plain and simple. The only hope we have is Jesus. So when, we, when the gospel takes hold of us, our sin is revealed, and we turn from ourselves to Christ. That's, so when you hear repent, it's not turning inward and trying harder, which is my default thing to do, or I'm, gonna, I'm sorry, but I'm going to try harder. It's no, you're repenting. You're turning to Christ. You're turning to the only hope, and that hope is not you. The sacrifice of Jesus pays the eternal penalty. So even going back to the Old Testament, it covers their sins. We are new. It's not a better version. It's not Berndt 2.0. It's not, oh, he's just an upgrade new servers and everything. And it's brand, no, 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 no. Brand new, brand new creation. Second Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and behold, the new has come. Your old self is dead. So representing in baptism, going down on the water, you're dead. You're dead with Christ. Up, you're alive. You're alive with Christ. This is the newness. And with, so with the newness that we start to see in the, de- the deceptiveness, de- easy for me to say. Deceptiveness of sin promises to deliver contentment. So the deceptiveness of sin promises to deliver contentment. It's, it's something shiny. It's, oh, here's that, this other house. Or, oh, there's knowledge if I have this fruit. Or fill in the blank. It's just, oh, I have this. I have what I should be content with. But that is so enticing. And even though it's not for me, I'm going to take it. This is what um, Joseph did with Potiphar's wife. As a 17-year-old, you can fill in the blanks. Good-looking guy. Being pursued. No. No, several times, and he fled. And what does he get for it? He gets imprisonment. He did not partake. He did not take what was not his. He honored God above all, above his own safety, above his own security, above his own... uh, Above his own... Uh, the word is escape. Maybe above his own desires. But his desires are not God's. If they were his desires. He desired God above all else. Our application questions for this. Are you living in sin? Are you choosing the fleeting pleasure of sin? Again, very fleeting. Jacob will probably touch on this next week. 
Are you choosing the fleeting pleasure of sin over contentment in Christ? Are you continually seeking forgiveness? Are you bringing those sins to Christ and confident that he has forgiven you by his blood, not by your works? And are you proclaiming victory over your sin because of the work of Christ? Or are you dwelling there and, trying to pu- and punishing yourself over and over and over and over again, not taking hold of what Christ has given us, that freedom that he has, that forgiveness? This leads to the second point of God promises his presence. So with sin, we were divided, we were separated from God, we were cut off because God cannot be in the presence of sin. The, the verse is up again. I, my, I, my, uh, excuse me. I myself will go down with you to Egypt. There we go. Um, but God will be with you in the second one. And Genesis 50, but God will be with you. God's presence is promised in each and every single one. Again, they're passing down the same thing. And this is big. If, if it wasn't big, it wouldn't be mentioned. God will be with you. And didn't say, he'll be with you only if you do good or if you're smiling and happy. No. He will be with you. This is a result of, of God, if you want to go back all the way to, to Abraham, the covenant that God made with Abraham in Genesis 15. God had promised this. And God is sticking with this. Hundreds and hundreds of years later, that promise, it's like, oh, God forgot about it, so it must not be valid. I haven't heard anything in a while, so it must be discredited. No, that is the same. God is the same yesterday, today, forever. The same promises. So Joseph was speaking to his brothers in Genesis 50, 24 to 25 and repeated the promise that God had made to Joseph, that Jacob had made to Joseph, that, excuse me, that God had made to Jacob, that Jacob had made to Joseph, and Joseph was making to his brothers. God will visit you. Joseph's contentment is a result of his faith. His contentment is a result that God will do what he promised to do. Again, faith is contentment in the promises of God. His, God's presence was painstakingly obvious in, when you're reading scripture of just how much God was with him despite his presence, despite what he was going through. He was blessed. And Joseph saw, you know, through family strife, through slavery, false accusations, years of imprisonment, and enormous amounts of physical wealth and status. It didn't matter what happened. God was with him, and he was content. So how do we know that Joseph was content merely with the presence of the Lord? We look at how he lived. So we know the Bible doesn't sugarcoat things. We're like, well, David was, you know, he was, you know, he, he loved God and, and he tried really hard and he brought down Goliath. So we're just going to, we're going to omit the whole Bathsheba thing because we don't want to taint his, his image. No, the Bible is going to, it's, sin is revealed because God is so good. So we look at his life. We see how the Bible doesn't sugarcoat. And throughout the good and the bad, Joseph always gave glory to God. The Lord was with him and it says, and he gave glory. He kept giving credit to God through his dreams, through whatever it was. He kept giving him glory. He couldn't be tempted. Or if he was tempted, he wasn't acting upon it. Because he was content with the Lord. He was content with his promises. So we see this contentment in uh, the New Testament. Apostle Paul writes Philippians four eleven to 13. 
Now, uh, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to, be, uh, how to abound. And in every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So again, you've heard that, that last verse, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And it's usually the context of Steph Curry and sports. But it's the context of contentment. Of I can hit, I can hit buckets, drain threes, and be content. I can hit bricks and be content. I can't. <laughs> but uh, uh, I can't be content hitting bricks. But uh, man, it's, it's that contentment. And obviously I've, I've proven I can't. God's given me a house. He provided more and in ways that I could never have imagined. And then when I did get it, this one is bigger and better. I wasn't happy when I was in need. I wasn't happy when I had. So I've, I've since repented of that and, and am working on that. But as something that's very convicting of wanting shiny, thing, shiny new things. And uh, Jesus in uh, John fourteen fifteen to 27. Again, this is Jesus speaking. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring, you, and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Peace I leave with you and peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither of them, or neither let them be afraid. He's sending his Spirit. He's sending his presence. The Holy Spirit, this isn't just like the B team coming up, this, is, this isn't JV, God, the, the, the Holy Spirit. This is equal. This is different roles. Holy Spirit is with you. This is no small, this is no small concept. We Christians know that we've been saved from the penalty of death. That's what we, our starting point is. We've been saved. Eternal separation from God. But now we currently have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. We, we have God with us. Sinners, saved by grace, and now the Holy Spirit is with us. Nothing we could ever do have brought that on ourselves. Nothing. There's no plan that we could have ever conceived that you're going to save me and I, my sin, I'm going to be reconciled and given the Holy Spirit. We have been given more than what we need, but we've been getting exactly what we need. This should make us content. God's presence Back to Joseph. He was content with the presence of God because he had confidence that God would do all that he promised to do. God promised to be with him and his people. Joseph didn't get to see who his Savior would be. We are on the, this side of the cross. We get to have, oh, it's Jesus. He didn't know that. He had no idea. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. He was content Application questions for the point two. God promises his presence. Where is God's presence not enough in your life? And why? What shiny thing are you looking to that seems better than the presence of the Holy Spirit? How do we live in his presence? How do we abide in him? How do you find contentment in this? And do you rely upon the Holy Spirit? 
Do you seek to live in obedience because God is with you? Or do what is right because you feel, and well, in this circumstances, I'm kind of owed this. You know, life has been pretty down on me, and I'm going to take this, and God will forgive me. Or, you know what? I'm not taking anything that God hasn't given. That's not for me. I'm content in God's presence. So along with promising his presence, he promised Joseph back, passage back to the promised land. Final point, God promises his passage. So what, I, what do I mean by he promised his passage? It means God promises to lead and provide the means back to the promised land. So look at our passages again. So he made mention of the Exodus. If you want to do the next slide, Ben. The, the, there you go. So he made mention of the exodus of the Israelites. We'll also bring you up again. Again, this is I. This is God's presence. And we'll bring you up out of the land of your fathers and bring you up out of this land to the land that he swore to, his, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This personally, this is very an intimate, I'm going to do this, not here's Google Maps. It says you'll take you 27 days. You know, I'm making that up. But you know what I mean? It's, not, it's very... I will lead you, my presence. This is very connected. Just the, just the intimacy, it just kind of blows me away. That, nope, you'll do it, don't worry, it'll happen when it happens. God's presence is going to do this. And as a side note, when it says, uh, made mention of the, ex, of the exodus of the Israelites, so Joseph was before Moses. So Joseph didn't know how God would be providing. He had no idea of Moses, the ten plagues, the, the, the parting of the Red Sea. He had no idea. But again, it didn't matter. He was so confident that they would get to their promised land because God said it would happen. Joseph was content with the promises of God. He didn't, need to be, he didn't even need to be alive to see that God was going to do it. He's like, okay, God, you said you're going to do this. I've got to check up on you. Um, I've got to make sure that you're going to follow through. Otherwise, you know what? This isn't good. His death didn't even matter. He physically didn't even need to see it for him to be content. God's promise was enough. He also knew it wasn't about him. Like, yeah, Joseph, is he the, the hero of the story? Well, he's definitely the subject. God is the hero. Without God, there is no Joseph and all that. Joseph probably would have been dead and before he even reached slavery. Who knows? Notice the verbiage when used when talking about going back to Canaan. It mentions the people. The Israelites, not just Joseph. It's like, all right, you're going to bring me. I get to go do it. It's all about me. It's the Israelites. It's God's chosen people. The promise of God wasn't centered around Joseph, but it was around the Israelites and God's provision. If Joseph hadn't been content with his timing, why would he have stayed in Egypt for 54 years after his dad died? It's like, what are you doing there? What if then if he's going to take it up on his own, okay, God promised this, I'm going to fulfill God's promises. I have the means, I, you know, wealth, I can, you know what? I'm going to go do this. I've been here long enough. 54 years. He was content to stay because he was called to stay. Knowing God would fulfill his promise on God's time. 
Back to the, the, the story of our house. I, I was never even promised a house. Not like God said, oh, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you a home in where you want it, that you can afford, in the neighborhood that you want, next to the school. That was never even promised. You know, so I, you know, but I'm complaining. Why is God not providing a home now? Why must I wait? Why is this taking so long? Why must I live with my parents, with my wife and kids? And my parents were probably thinking the same thing. <laughs> Why is this guy even here? Um, but I only had to wait a little over two years. And God provided something he didn't even promise. Joseph was in Egypt from 17 until he died to 110. I had to use a calculator, but that's 93 years. Yeah, second grade math failed me. Um, uh, 93 years, and he never got to change his driver's license from Egypt back to Canaan. I mean, he got to visit to bury his father, but then he went back. It's not, you know what? I'm going to make camp. I'm going to stay here. Pharaoh, you're on your own. I, I set you up. You're good. Nope. 97 years, or 93 years, and never, never got to go back home. But Joseph knew that God would make good on his promise to bring his fellow Israelites back to the promised land. He was 100% sure it would happen. How do we know this? Again, he gave instructions for his bones to be brought back. He was helping them to prepare, and he had no idea. It's just, he's giving them, okay, here, here's what you guys are going to do. He was preparing. I don't know when. It doesn't matter. The promise of God providing passage has been fulfilled in Jesus. Again, this isn't just, oh, okay, that's fine, and daddy, it's an Old Testament fun VBS story. Christ fulfilled this. So we, we had John 14 in my second point. We're going back to John 14 for this one. So again, Jesus speaking, John 14, 6 says, let, your hearts, uh, let, your hearts, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would not have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself. That where I am also you, or that where I am, you may be also. And where, and you know where, <laughs> and you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. And if you notice it, I will come home again and take you to myself. Because that's where I am. So he's taken us to himself. I am the way, the truth, and the life. This is Christ. This is our home. This is how he's providing passage. His passage is, again, not through good works, through trying hard. It is through Christ. Jesus had gone to prepare a place for those who had repented of their sins and put their faith, their confidence in him. And he also told them that he's the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes to the Father except through him. This is a way that only God could provide, not anyone else, not governments, not your best friend, mom and dad. Nope, this is God. Through Jesus, we have been saved through the penalty of our sin, been given access to God's presence, and provide a passage into perfect eternal life. That should be our motivation for contentment. We live because of that. In this, we see that faith is contentment in the promises of God. So the last application questions. 
So God promises his passage. So what does that mean? What does it mean that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? What does that mean to you? What, what does scripture say about that? Do you practically believe that Jesus is enough? Or do you, okay, I have Jesus, but then I got to do X, Y, and Z. Or I'm really lacking in this area, so I have to kind of make up for it. And what does it look like to prepare for eternal life? So in other words, like what are you doing here and now knowing that this is not the fulfillment of God's promise? Who are you investing in? Like, are you serving? Are you proclaiming Christ crucified? Are you being content with God? What, what are you doing right now knowing that this is not it? So, conclusion, we've seen that God promises his penalty be referred for our sin. We see death. That's Captain Obvious right there. But God promises his passage. God promise, or presence and God promises his passage. Joseph died without knowing, without God's promise being fulfilled. But that's not what he ultimately longed for. He longed for and was content in the promises of God because he knew God would deliver. That's why Joseph is known for his faith. That's why by faith Joseph, he was content in the promises of God. He was content that faith is the, is the confidence that God will do all that he promised to do. So what promises of God are you living in as a result? What, what promises are you banking on? What's your motivation? Is it something that God has said? Is it something in Scripture? Are you longing for something in Scripture? Is longing for God, longing to grow closer, longing for that contentment? Or, sometimes, like me, I, you know what? It doesn't matter. Right now, I don't care. I'm just going to live in sin and I don't care. Because it's all about me, what I want. Or, or it's, it's maybe all about what I can achieve. Or my status. Or it's all about education, my contentment. What's going to make me happy is going to be a spouse. It's going to be my kids. <laughs> or is it going to be a home? Is that really going to be enough? Please know that faith is contentment in the promises of God. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for you. Oh my goodness, thank you for you. From the assurance just of the death that we have earned, our wages of sin is death, but there's no period at the end of that. But God, but you provided Christ. You provided him despite ourselves. You've promised your presence. You've promised passage. You've promised you and you deliver. So I, I pray that whatever we're struggling with, whatever we're not content in you, whatever we think we have to fill up on our own, whatever we think is lacking that you're not providing, Father, help us to lay them at your feet and know that the tomb is empty. That your sacrifice was more than enough to pay for our sins. That when you said it is finished, you made good on that promise. It is finished. In your name we pray. Amen.